is joining so we're gonna get going hi michael hi kelly thanks for having me of course thanks for being here especially on the weekend um so we're gonna get started it's super important to note that while the lgbtqi community has a lot of unique assets and gifts it also faces many unique challenges so for those who identify as lesbian gay bisexual transgender queer questioning or intersex it's important to recognize how human experiences of sexual orientation and gender identity relate directly to our mental health. And there's strong evidence from recent research that members of this community are at a higher risk for mental health conditions, especially depression and anxiety. And that has a lot to do with lack of social support. LGB adults are twice as likely as heterosexual adults to experience a mental health condition and transgender individuals are nearly four times more likely to experience conditions. Um, and 40% of LGBT adults have experienced rejection from family members or a close friend. Um, so such discrimination can significantly contribute to a heightened risk of PTSD and um, different emotional disorders. Um, so this topic is especially important to talk about in light of our president feeling hate and discrimination for minorities and members of the LGBTQI community, as well as taking you know, our, um, our absolute rights away from this group. Um, so that's why I really wanted to talk about this today. And that's why we have Michael here to talk with us. Michael is an actor, musician, producer, playwright, and performance artist based in San Antonio, Texas. What don't you do? Um, but most importantly, he's a large advocate for the LGBTQI our allyship movement. Um, so thank you for all that you've done for this community. And thank you for being here, Michael. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and um, you know what you do in terms of this cause or um, give us a little intro. Yeah, Callie, thank you. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually currently, I'm born and raised in San Antonio, Texas all my life. I, um, I, I lived in New York for about two years actually. And um, I moved back because of COVID. So yeah, thanks COVID. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got my degree in um, acting and directing at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So I've been studying um, performance and basically the idea of what it means to be a human being in this day and age reflected in art, if that makes sense. Love that. So I'm always exploring new ways. Like currently I'm writing a play right now. Originally my heroine was supposed to be um, a closeted gay man who's remembering um, in the past a, a transgender um, woman who um, he, he, he came across with and, that, and the transgender woman, she died in the past. Oh, wow. I recently watched a documentary called Disclosure on Netflix, and it is fantastic. I highly recommend it, whoever's watching right now, Disclosure on Netflix. It's about the trans experience right now. And in that documentary, it talked about how, um, you know, trans in the media, normally they're reflected as victims of violence or they're murderers, or they're not, they're not like you and me, Kelly. It's like, right. it's all for the victim. So I realized when I, when, I, 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 when I saw that I went, oh, I'm contributing to this. So I, decided to flip it. Now, my transgender heroine is now remembering my closeted gay man who died. Right, and that's super important to normalize a character like that and have that kind of representation and not just, you know, have trans individuals playing a victim or, you know, a small part of the story, but to have someone in the forefront, that's what we need. 
And thank you for doing that. Um, so how do you think that mental health conditions affect the LGBTQ community? Um, and tell us a little bit about your own personal experiences. I mean, yeah, I'll start off with that. I realized I was gay when I was in eighth grade. I, I found out via porn on the internet. It was so much fun. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, um, but you know, here's the thing. I grew up in a in a in a in a San Antonio, Texas. You know, most people here are conservative. They um, are very Christian, Catholic, and I still am actually. I'm a practicing Catholic right now. I'm actually been born again, but. I don't follow the Old Testament. I follow the New Testament about Jesus. So I, I'm just going to love. Say, yeah, Jesus and love, you know. But, you know, here's the thing. So all through high school, I, um, I told everybody but my family for a long time. And there was a lot of shame and stigma. Like, basically, I'll just tell you this right now. Like, I think last month was the first time I actually um, told my dad I was gay on my own terms that makes sense wow so i actually um yeah i originally like they found out my parents found out i was gay well i don't even know when they found out exactly because here's the thing i actually had a life-size poster of zach efron on my wall <laughs> same <laughs> muscle tank top white beater and i'm just like y'all didn't know i was gay then what the <laughs> i don't know about that but anyways they but here's the thing, they confronted me about being gay when they found my web history on the internet. So um, there was a lot of shame around that. Like I knew they accepted me and loved me, but it was still, I, I couldn't talk about it because there was still that stigma and shame that was attached to what they found. And it was like, I remember my mom and it was like, she reacted to it like it was disgusting, you know? And I was, but it was like, right. for me, like, mom, but you like, you like um, penis too. It's like, why are you <laughs> to be actually having fun watching this stuff with me? But. Oh my God. <laughs> awkward. So I, I got it. So. um. And how did that affect you? Like, how did that affect your mental health? You know, you're developing, you're trying to, you know, come into your own, build up your own personal self-esteem. And then, you know, your loved ones who are supposed to nurture you and encourage you are kind of rejecting you like how how was that that must have been really difficult and kelly for years here's the thing i made myself wrong for a very long time with how i felt so i um i used to censor myself and filter myself because i thought oh i don't belong no one understands me no one's gonna get it i don't have anything to contribute right now because i'm a i'm, I'm a white cisgender I'm a white gay man gonna correct myself they're a white gay man and I, for a while i never thought because of my like privilege i didn't think i had a lot to say in this movement right now but then i realized like i have the privilege and the power to share like how trans lives matter and going back to what i was talking about earlier but it's just here's the thing um yeah i just i felt like i couldn't talk about these issues with my family like with trans lives like i recently talked to my brother about daca and he didn't understand it and i was like dude like we need people to fight for for our trans community because right now their mental health is on the line as mine was yeah. and their freedom their you know their freedom and their absolute rights are being taken away and our president is literally going backwards in terms of the progress that we have made um and especially our trans community members that want to fight in the war, they're willing to put their life on the line for this country, but the head of the country thinks that we should prevent them from doing that. So um, 
I know. It's so silly. And I'm just like, and here's the thing. He is a gaslighter. So I'm going to tell you this. I learned this word this year from the Dixie Chicks. Well, they're now the Chicks. <laughs> they're fabulous. I love them. But they, they coined that word gaslighter for their song. And basically, what a gaslighter is, is it's somebody who makes you feel like you're crazy. It makes you feel like you your your thoughts and your opinions don't matter and that they're trying to gaslight you into being on their side, you know? And so it's like suddenly they're in your head and you're in, and then suddenly you're embracing what they think of you versus what you think of yourself. And so right. I actually, yeah, I realized I had a lot of gaslighters in my life try to like tell me who I needed to be and who I needed to say. And, and I will say yeah. this, I love my family. I love my mom and my dad and my brother, but here's the thing. They've, they, like, recently they tried to tell me to, like, Michael, like, be quiet. This isn't a good time to talk. And I'm like, well, when is a good time to talk? Like, really, when is a good time? All we have is right here, right now. Because right now, a lot of people, their mental health is on the line. Yeah, and, I, and being in COVID, a lot of people might be home or in a situation where they're, like, more exposed. And maybe it's harder to hide behind, you know. I know when you lived in New York, you were on your own versus now you're back in San Antonio, Texas. So that could be why some of these topics are coming up. And a lot of individuals might be in a similar situation where they're not paying rent, they're home because of COVID, unemployed. And um, some of these issues are resurfacing. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing, Kelly, like that's my, that's why I'm so grateful and blessed that I moved to New York for two years because I got to be out in the world and not in the same little Texas box that I've been known for and what I've known all my life. And just suddenly it's like, when I came back, it's like the world tech, it's like my, my hometown just opened up. It's not just this little box that I've been living in. There's just more to the world that okay. a lot of Texas friends have not experienced yet for themselves. So it's like, when I see them on Facebook talking about like, when they say, oh, all lives matter versus black lives matter, or it's like they, they try to like diminish the trans experience. And I'm like, well, y'all don't know. Y'all have no idea what, like what they're, what they're going through right now. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned gaslighting and gaslighting is actually a psychological term. Um, we use it a lot to describe abusers, um, but it's manipulating someone by psych psychological means. So basically questioning their own sanity. It's manipulation to the point of discrediting a human. You know what I mean? Um, so the fact that our president is doing that, um, I think as a society, we've accepted such a low standard as normal. Um, and that's why I want to do whatever I can to spread awareness and to show love and support for these communities. Um, and then something I wanted to ask you, how do you think that someone's identity, um, someone's sexual identity affects their mental health? Well, it's like, you know, I want to go back to Disclosure, the documentary. A lot of trans actors and performers on there, they saw themselves on the screen. So, like, I'll give you an example from the documentary. I forget the actress's name, but she said that um, her favorite movie growing up was Jim Carrey's, um, what is it called? Ace Ventura, I think, or was it? Okay. Something like that. But there was a scene in the movie where um, Jim Carrey, he's with a woman who he thinks is a woman. And um, he finds out that she is a transgender man or woman. They don't really make it clear in the movie, so it's really it's, it's not specific enough. So that's some, that's another issue. Right. And when Jim Carrey finds out that who he's with is not really really a woman, 
he reacts to her or him like, bleh, bleh, and just throwing up and like washing his mouth and he's cleaning himself. And it's supposed to be funny and cute, but the actress that was talking about this movie, she said that it broke her heart because here, here's Jim Carrey, someone that she idolizes and, and loves, and he's reacting to her. Because she's, because at the time when she watched this movie, I don't think she knew she was trans, but I don't think she had a word for it yet. But she knew that she was different. She knew that she wasn't, she was at the time probably a, a little boy, you know, and now she, she went, she's a woman now, but she didn't realize at the time. So it's like when she was, that was a dream in the back of her mind, a dream that she wants to be a woman. And so here she is watching her idol throw up to who she wants to be, you know, or. Right. Ends, you know, and so and I a think, lot of people might react that way because they're more ignorant or they don't understand or they've never met a trans person um, and they they don't realize that they're just a human being who's trying to exist. It's not, you know, interfering with what the general public wants to do. It has nothing to do. It's that person should live freely and it truly doesn't affect individuals, especially individuals who are hating and who are trying to control that human being who's literally just trying to live their life. Yeah, it's like, I really, Kelly, this is the year, 2020 for me is the year of protection. Like, protecting each other right. from COVID, but also protecting each other and supporting each other in this movement. When you say Black Lives Matter, Trans Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, it's like people Absolutely. try to take that away when they say All Lives Matter. And I'm like, right now we're supporting these lives right now because these are the lives that are at stake right now because these are the lives that their rights are being taken away right now and they're being killed and, and it keeps happening and it's like we need exactly. to start and not try to like say okay let's go back to my it's like when people say like all lives matter i'm gonna go back to that right now too here's my thing they're standing for their life you know they're standing up for their life and not for the lives of their brothers and sisters who are dying right now exactly sense. Yeah, and it's changing the topic from the the actual victims of the situation, the people that need help, and especially if we have certain privileges of not being attacked at this moment or our our rights uh -oh, are I think not you froze, right. Kelly. Completely. Oh, you're. I see you now. I'm I back. Okay. No, I was just saying. You know, we're up here with any privilege that we have. If that's if if we're not, you know, gay. If we're not trans. If we're not at risk. That gives us one step of privilege. So we're up here and the people who are struggling might be down here. So if you think about it this way, we're the only people who can pull them up and who can help them. We have to speak for them because they're having their rights taken away. So we need to be the ones that speak up for them and that make a difference. Um, and going back to the question about how someone's sexual identity affects their mental health, we all as humans need to be able to live and identify and be loved as we are. And when when we experience discrimination or pushback for just simply trying to exist like that is going to decrease our self-esteem and that's where we see trauma that's where we see mental disorders um and this community is predisposed to them because of the less social support um which is essential to mental health recovery um and sadly in the most extreme cases members of the LGBTQI community are more likely to attempt and complete suicide because they don't feel that they can open up or that they can go get the help that they need because they're being suppressed in so many different ways. Um, and I want you to talk a little bit more about um, conservative views and the effect on um, you know, the LGBTQI community and how 
certain conservative and religious views are a pervasive barrier for um, the mental health of LGBTQI individuals. Yeah, got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'll start with religion then because it's like, it's like for me, I'll, I'll share this with you. Like I used to do, um, um, you know, kind of Bible study, like Bible study. It's kind of like, have you ever, do you have life team ever, Kelly? Uh, it sounds familiar. But yeah. you're involved and you're still, you know, a religious individual. That's why I think it's great that you speak on this because you're not in any way condemning the church, but you're just like literally highlighting the realities of it. Yeah, Continue. exactly. I'm giving them notes right now, basically. I'm giving mm -hmm. them notes right now. Because when I did Live Teen, this was, this was our Bible school that we had. It was supposed to be like a, a, a place for teens in our Catholic church at St. Mark's, the church I grew up in, where we're supposed to have a safe haven to express our love for God and to learn. And we have like, you know, all of our adults who are there to like help us out. But here's the thing. I remember this. It's it vividly. It, it's it, it stayed with me for a while. That's also why I didn't talk to my parents about it because okay, so they had like a a box a box of issues and questions, and they said, "Hey guys, I want you to write down your issues, your questions, your concerns. We'll put them in this box, and then we're gonna read the box. We're gonna read this um what you wrote out loud. It's anonymous, so we won't say who wrote what, you know. But we'll we'll wanna read it and we'll answer your questions that way, right?" You know? Okay, cool. And I remember, oh, this, the, the, the coolest, the lady that I thought at the time was the coolest lady. She played a guitar. She was like a, like a singer, you know, like me. She, uh, so I, I asked a question. I put it in the box. I think I did. Um, but she, I, I asked her about like being gay in the Catholic church. And she, um, I, I asked in the box. And so she pulled out the, the question out of the box and she read it out loud about being gay. And she went, she said something along the lines like, we don't condemn homosexuality. We don't, we don't condemn homosexual people, but it is still a sin. And we love the person, but we don't love the sin, if that makes sense. And okay. that stayed with me for a long time. Like, it was That's like, scary to hear. Like, as a child, you know, the church emphasizes sin and what happens if you're a sin sinner. So to label gay people at large as a sinner... And, but at the same time say oh but we love them and but we you're a sinner like how does a child process that and how does a child love themselves when a huge huge part of their life and their community is going to say something like that and i don't think you can really i don't and i i don't i didn't for a very long time because i thought i was a sinner and i and i felt like i couldn't like talk my mind to my family about this and then here's the thing also i'll, I'll tell you this my mom like when when all this shit happened with me finding out when they found out via porn on the internet, you know, like she gave me a pamphlet about like we didn't talk about it. That's the thing we didn't talk. All she did was hand me a pamphlet about homosexuality in the Catholic Church. I didn't read it. I don't even remember like what it was. <laughs> she was trying to mean well. She was trying to, but it's like here's the thing. I'm gonna go back to family. A lot of people here don't in Texas. I'll say this: they don't like to have conversations. It's like they'll just want to hold their beliefs, hold it still, and unwavered, you know? And it's like they, they don't want to transform and see the world. So it's just like I noticed that recently. Like my mom, me and her now, now we talk now. Now we're, she's very cool to me being gay now. Like we're very, very cool. But this is like. That's good. You need yeah. an ally, especially in your direct family, someone who supports you and understands. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a lonely world without people to listen and understand you. And, um, 
Yeah, I'm really where I am now, probably with my family. And, um, but yeah, we need to have more conversations about this and not just like put it in a box and read it out loud like it's an anonymous question. No, let's just like talk about it with the person who asked the question because that person, who knows what they're going through right now? I mean, who knows if they're thinking of killing themselves because deep down they want to be a woman when they're really a man or, or they want to be like they're trans or it's they like, want to love who they love. Simple as that. <laughs> Or they're closeted, yeah, and it's like they don't want to, they can't talk, and it's like, we need to talk about it and not just, yeah. like, put it in a box, yeah. Exactly. And luckily, I do think that the climate has changed a bit. I think, you know, we have moved forward since, you know, you were in high school, I don't know, like, 10 years ago or how long it's been, um, but... I do think that things are better, but I know when I grew up, it was still very hush-hush. I went to Catholic school, um, so I can't imagine my LGBTQI classmates that had to hear what I heard. And I would even back then, you know, raise my hand and be like, but Jesus preaches love, yet we're saying that people who are born a certain way, born and made by God, um, and those people are sinning, even though they're just being who they are and coming into their own. Um, but something that um, I want you to elaborate on too is conservative views. Growing up in Texas, um, it's you know very Republican um, mm. and how that has affected you. Again, at Mental Health Global Network, our goal is to prioritize mental health and to, on the same level as physical health. Uh, we don't get political, but at the same time, our views are to support mental health at large and to support individuals who experience mental health. Um, and right now the current climate is explicitly violating mental health in general. And there's a lot of fear in our society. Um, so that's why I'm just curious, um, living in Texas, growing up there, what was the norm and how did these conservative views um, affect you as an individual who is gay? Oh, man, I mean, I mean, I'll say this, Callie, before I go back to the past a little bit about conservative views and how they're affecting mental health now. I'll put it an example of our education system. Right now, our schools are going to reopen now and like, really soon in the fall. And I'm like, in Texas specifically, like COVID is spiking like crazy right now. And I'm just like, this isn't safe, you know, to go back to school right now for our kids. But and here we are, Trump is like threatening to like um, take away funding if we don't have, if, 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 if teachers and students are not physically in the classrooms right now. And this is my speculation. I think the teachers right now, I mean, one, they're underpaid. Like it's basically, they're, they're paid babysitters. They, yeah. And here's the thing, I really, and I'm not a teacher, I mean, I'm an educator, but I'm not a, like a licensed teacher with students in a school. But I think that's taking a huge mental health toll for our educators and even our students, like, who graduated, like, it's like, I mean, or who are about to graduate. It's like, you know, right now there's so much uncertainty with, with COVID. And so I think for me, um, with conservative views and Republicans, they're really arguing right now to open these schools up. Like, I think mean, one lady, oh, for the White House press secretary, I forget her name, but she was saying in an interview with CNN, she was like, we... We were gonna we're gonna open up our schools regardless of what the science thinks, or we're gonna open it up regardless of what science is saying we should do, or something like that. I, I I'm paraphrasing it. Right. But it's like they're choosing. It's like Republicans, not saying all, but you know, 
that kind of Republican. It's like they're valuing, you know, just put, it's like they're not they're not valuing our, our our health right now. They're valuing putting our kids back in school, making the economy grow again. Business. Yeah. Yeah, And they're not it's like they're they're not thinking about the health and well-being of our of our brothers and sisters right now. They're just thinking about their pockets right now and making sure yeah. our economy are flowing again. So I've seen a lot of like people on in, on Facebook, like um, like some some of my Texas friends who kind of started to show their true colors a little bit. I was like, oh, so you'd rather have your daughter go back to school right now when COVID's spiking like crazy in Texas over um, it's a like, delay that might cause fiscal damage in some way, but businesses are already suffering, and that's a whole nother dialogue. But I like what you said about how our health is at risk and um, that, you know, certain conservatives are choosing to prioritize money and financial gain over the physical health of our community, which directly contributes to our mental health. Um, And so now I want to turn the conversation to talking about how people can be respectful of individuals who identify as LGBTQI. Um, So not, not even how we can support them, but how can we just simply coexist and be respectful? Um, and so what we teach in our mental health first, first aid and our mental health intervention online training um, is to ask open questions, um, you know, ask for their pronoun, ask how they identify and use the correct terms and correct yourself if, um, you know, and also spread awareness in your community. It's 2020. We do not use mental disorders as adjectives. We certainly do not use community labels as, you know, adjectives, especially in a negative way. So first of all, don't say that something's gay when you mean that it's stupid or ridiculous. Don't, if you hear that, correct it. And don't take any pushback if somebody's like, well, I don't mean it that way. No, like you're literally saying something. You're using who I am as an insult. and, And that's insulting and offensive and, we simply will not tolerate it in 2020. Um, take the person's lead on which kind of language and terms to use. Ask questions. You know, don't put them on the spot. Don't embarrass them. But have that one-on-one conversation. And most importantly, avoid stigmatizing language in your own life, as well as correcting it when you hear it um, in your community. Anything you'd like to add to that of how people can be respectful? Yeah, definitely. Like when somebody says, hi, I'm so-and-so I'm I go by they them and it's like you have to listen to them and and, and honor what they are requesting you call them as and it's like if they say they them and you're starting to call them oh hey she hey girl how are hey boy you know and it's like you're not respecting what you're not listening it's like you need to be an active listener in this day and age because there's so many identities that people are are finding empowerment being being you know like the I'm like I'm binary. I'm not. I'm non-binary. I'm I'm cisgendered. I'm a, I'm like it's like I'm trans or I'm polyamorous or I'm or I'm. I mean, I guess I mean if you're like really a poly, like I guess what's the word where you're three your your marriage is a three. I guess is that pod drop. I I'm not sure honestly, but I need to educate myself more. And that's yeah. something that I'd say to any viewers. If you're not sure, look it up. There's so many resources online. Um, and if your intentions are good and you don't mean to offend someone, you know, let them know. I don't know much about you. Can, can you tell me more about, um, you know, your sexual identity and do some research online? Um, try to be respectful 
And uh, we're all still learning. And, you know, the more that we know, but the bottom line is that individuals having their own sexual identity does not affect anyone but that individual. It truly doesn't. Um, so to have a negative view on it, it, it's not affecting your life. And people yeah. should love who they love and be who they are. And um, if we want to spread positive mental health, we have to live by that, by that narrative that everybody has the freedom to be who they are. And it's 2020. So get with it. The more educated you are, the more accepting you should be of others. Um, and now let's talk about how we can help someone who might be struggling. Um, so give support in the way that you would to anyone. Active listening is a good way to start. Like you said, hear them out. If they tell you their pronouns, make sure you use them. Don't just like forget what they said. Um, ask how you can help. How can I help you? Um, especially to the youth, any youth listening to this, if someone's going through their own process right now of coming out, encourage them, support them, encourage them to talk to a professional um, and help them through that process in, wh in whatever way you can and ask them. That's one of the things we say, you know, involve the individual with the mental health issues in the conversation. What can I do to help? Would you rather me give my opinion or do you want me to just listen? Um, and really just hearing them out, hear their story from start to finish. Um, ask how you can help. And then most importantly, show respect and acceptance through your words and actions with that person and when you're not with that person. Um, anything that you'd add to that about how to help an individual from the community that might be struggling? You have to ask questions. You have to really, like, it's like suddenly, like, we're Nancy Drew in the mystery of the different identities that we go by, you know, as human beings now, like, what it means to be a human being. So we have to really ask, like, like what, like, I'll give you an example. Like, um, I actually had a grinder hookup, like, back in November, and here's the thing. We're now, like, best friends now, and um, he actually isn't was in a, a polyamorous relationship with his husband. And at the time, I was like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, what did I get myself into? Like, I still, at the time, I, I mean, I wasn't really practicing Catholic at the time then, but I was still like, what is this? Like, this, I never, I want, you know... Like, husband, husband, that's it. Like, like Right. You know? But then it's like, the more I got into his world, it's like he, um, my friend, JP, um, he um, he shared with me that he loves, it's like, it's like, there's like a, he told me like this thing about how he, um, like after we, after we hooked up, you know, I had fun. He actually, we never did it again because he said, Michael, I love when I'm with somebody like sexually, I, I'm attracted to that person as a stranger, but once I know you as a person, I, and then you're a friend, and then suddenly I know you, I'm, I'm not interested in that way anymore with you anymore. And so I, I realized, oh, so he's like, he's, it's really complicated though, but it's like, right. he, it's like he's married and he's in a loving relationship with his husband, but at the same time, they have that trust. Right. Yeah, like we were actually, I, and I still remember this. Like I was in his bed, and he actually after we had fun, you know, he um, he actually called his husband, and I, I for a second was like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? Like does his husband know, you know? And, right. And then actually, here's the thing, Kelly. You know, um, me and um, his husband, we're all friends now. Like, we're all, it's an open, open friendship, open relationship, and it's right. It's all about communication. At the end of the day, like asking people, "Hey, I'm gonna do this," or "Hey, as long as you, you get your significant other in on it, you know, and like everybody is right. 
everybody's clear what we're doing. We're asking questions. We're understanding. So here's the thing, like, right. for me, and I'm going to share this. Um, both of them, they're atheists, you know? But that was, like, the first time I ever really saw an open, loving relationship that that I want to be. Not to say that I'm polyamorous. Like, I, I mean, I'm right. I'm really, I'm, I'm very much about, like, I want to have a husband and just... Just be that person. Yeah. But like, like even you who who is gay, like you're still exposed to different relationships that you might not personally understand that you have to be open to and that you're learning still. Like we're all still learning in the best way that we can to support each other. And you don't have to fully put yourself in those shoes or be gay or know someone who's gay to be part of the movement of, you know, prioritizing mental health of this group, as well as accepting this group for all that they are. And I think that that's a good point that you raised about how, you know, seeing this, um, meeting this couple that has different views than you. Um, but at the same time, you, you're still learning too. And I think that's a good point to make. Yeah, you know, and it's and I'm gonna share this with you right now. Like it was actually like maybe back in February. Like my friend JP, he actually called me up and he was like, "Michael, I just want you to know, this is not because I had sex with you, but I want you to know that I love you for you." And he said, "I right. love you." And it was like I never heard that from somebody from a. And it's like here's the thing: like I met him in November and February. I, at first, I didn't believe him, but then I, as I listened more, I went, "Wow!" Like he just loved person and, and it's not like as a sexual object anymore now it's like I'm, I'm i'm out of the grinder world and i'm in his world you know and he invited right. me family and i i really it's like i feel like i'm part of him and his husband's family now that's good and it really is about love because a lot of times when um you know lgbtqi is mentioned people will say oh like they imagine the sexual side of it but really, it's about love and gay couples practice love. And that's what it's about. They're not just having sex all the time. It's not scandalous. It's not, you know, sinful as it's been labeled in the past. Well, we don't do that with heterosexual couples. You know, it's like, oh, you've been dating for this long. Like, but some for some reason, when we talk about LGBTQI, it has such a sexual connotation to it. And that's just not the truth. Like, it's about love and loving who you love. Um, my next question is how can pride help with mental health and pride's a space where people in the LGBTQI community can connect as well as welcome other individuals, um, outside of the community to reduce isolation, um, and increase visibility of LGBTQI individuals in general. Um, it's super powerful for me to be part of pride marches and to see, um, LGBTQI identities in the community. Um, and it validates that those individuals belong and are loved. And that's what I'm really passionate about spreading. So how do you think that pride can help mental health at large in the LGBTQI community? Well, pride is all about representation and being seen. Like suddenly it's like when you have like a, like a black drag queen performing on, on a float and you see like, hot shirtless men dancing in their speedo <laughs> like a, a fabulous you know like um you know not not to say like overweight or but it's like you know not like the typical bodybuilder on stage like you know like shaking it and i'm just, just everybody 
everybody, like all shapes and sizes are dancing and partying and being who they are and they're wearing rainbows and tutus and pink yeah. and and Mark. sometimes too, their their friends and family that are outside of the community are there accepting it. And you know, I know some of my um, gay friends. Like it was a huge victory to get their parents to go to Pride with them, and that's what I love to see. Because I've always been, you know, flying a rainbow flag high. But um, to see other people that might be a little uncomfortable at Pride, but are still there, they're showing up and they're showing that support and love and. We're making a difference. It's 2020, but there's still a lot more that we need to do. Um, and yeah. let's close out this conversation. I want to end um, on a good note. So let's talk about what would you say to somebody who's coming out right now or who, someone who's dealing with, with um, you know, their sexual identity and trying to figure out who they are um, and maybe is receiving pushback from their friends or family. What would you say to that individual to instill hope um, for their, for their LGBTQI process? I would say your feelings are valid. Your feelings are real. No one can diminish your feelings. And I'll say this, I'll say an Eleanor Roosevelt quote. She said, a long time ago, she said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Right, and, uh, I love that. Know, yeah, I really, and it's funny, she said that in the 40s, and I don't even know she talked about LGBT rights then, but I, I always, I just love that. And but it applies. What's up? It applies, certainly. It applies. I never, I, I just, right now, I, I correlated that. And I just think, you know, it's like, it's at your own time, whenever you're ready. Don't feel like you have to jump out. I'll say, I'll just share this with you right now. When I came out in high school, I, I... Not to say that I wasn't ready. I'm glad I did. I mean, it, it was, but here's the thing. When I came out to like some random high school girl on the bus, she actually asked me, are you gay? And I went, uh, yeah, I am. And it's like, suddenly I started to act like, woo, I'm gay, bitches. And I'd like, around scarf and I'd be putting it around. I'd be wearing these like crop top pink shirts that would barely fit me. Like, I would go to Hot Topic and buy princess shirts and <laughs> I would just like walk around the school. But the point that I was trying to make at the time was like, I'm gay, fabulous, here, queer, baby, get used to it. Like I was trying to prove a point. Okay. Right. Be who I am. And so I really... I mean, and I love princess stuff. I love all the pinks and colors and all everything that I wore in high school. I still love. I still do. Right. But if I could change one thing about how I came out, it's just to talk and not and not not pretend. It's, I think suddenly when I when I came out, Kelly, I was pretending to be somebody else at the time and not. I, I mean, pretend I was pretending to be okay. Pretending I'm fabulous, fierce, woo woo. Right. I, I, while. And I, because I couldn't talk to my parents, I felt stigmatized and shamed, and I can only talk to my friends at school, really. And um, I just say, don't be what society thinks a gay person is, or or a trans, or or a lesbian, or, or like a you don't have to push it to be flamboyant, over the top, to prove that you love who you love. Like, maybe that was a coping mechanism, but unless it's your personality, but I, I get what you're saying and just kind of like be who you are and you don't have to prove it. You can just simply confide in the people who are listening to you and then, you know, just be who you are. You don't have to push 
um, or be over the top to show that that you're gay or to show that you should be able to love who you love. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I actually was going to just tell you right now. I, I remember the teacher I, I had. She was trying to tell me something at the time because I, 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 cause I, again, I would, I'd be like, woo, 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 work, work, yeah, yeah. And I still do that. But she <laughs> told me at the time, she's like, Michael, the differences that we have as human beings, it's subjective, you know, or it's something she, she said, like, you think that, um, I just remember she was talking about differences and how, like, we were, um, she says, like, um, Oh, I'm trying to remember what she was saying. It was about embracing our differences, but you don't have to wear it on. You don't have to wear it literally on your sleeve. You can you you can show your differences and show who you are by just being connected and just having a conversation about it, not just like plastering posters on the wall saying "I'm here, I'm queer, get used to it." Because I think for me, and I'll just share this, it was like I was like in a way trying to be the poster child for my school, but I never asked, I, I didn't ask anybody if they needed the poster child, if that makes sense. I think I was, it's like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna make myself like this icon. And really you don't have to, You don't, it's like, you have to just on your own time, on your own time, you don't have to be, you don't have to be a savior right now when you're coming out. You don't have to be any, you, all you have to be is just be yourself, be, be who, be, um, you know. True just, to who you are. You are, you know, and not have to prove a point, prove something. Yeah. And you're if not, you're not comfortable too, like, tell one person, tell your family members or, you know, admit it to yourself in the mirror to start. Like, you don't have to come out to everyone and tell everyone every time. You know what I mean? But just as long as you know who you are, do whatever is comfortable for you. Um, I also want to say, this page is a resource to you if you're someone who's struggling with your sexual identity. DM us, message us anytime. Michael is a huge ally. He can connect you to resources. Um, and, you know, these are complicated, complex, emotional things. You know, figuring out who we are sexually and what our identity is takes years and it takes, um, you know, support and it essentially takes a village, which you might not always have. You might not always have that support. So we can be that village for you. Um, if anybody ever wants to, you know, reach out, um, we're here for you and we can help you. And I also want to say, you know, you don't have to have something wrong with you to go seek help from a therapist. Therapists can help you work through your sexual identity and um, to love yourself completely. So I recommend that as well. And there's a lot of um, different pride options, pride specific options. Um, I think Regain US, let me let me double check. Oh no, that's couples counseling. I'm pretty sure Pride Counseling. That that's probably what it's called. Um, Pride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pridecounseling.com. Um, you can you can definitely find help there. Um, and I recommend, you know, if you're going through a hard time, everyone should have their champion and have someone that they can confide in completely, whether it's a professional or someone that you love. But Find that person um, and really use that resource because it's hard. It's hard to go through, um, you know, growing up, developing, figuring out who you are. Um, so thank you again, Michael, for taking the time today and for being vulnerable and open and sharing, you know, your your own experiences. I think this will be helpful for a lot of people, especially young people to see. Um, 
And as much as I know it was challenging and we were kind of, it was more conservative when we were growing up. Imagine growing up and the president is saying, like, you know, stigmatizing things about the LGBTQI community. So I can only imagine what effect that's having. And then on top of that, followers of that president, um, fear mongering in our society. So it's definitely um, a really important topic to discuss, especially in connection to mental health. Yeah, Kelly, and I want to I want to share two more things before we go. One, okay. shout out to my friend Mother Electra, who's on this call right now. Her name is Rachel, but she loves being Mother Electra. So, hi, Mother Electra. I love you. <laughs> and just to go off of what you said about Trump, and right now, I'm gonna sing you a little verse from that song "Gaslighter" I mentioned. You ready? Okay. This is a point. Here it is. Gaslighter, I'm your mirror. Standing right here until you can see how you broke me. Yeah, I'm broken. You're still sorry and there's still no apology. Yeah. Oh my gosh, bravo. <laughs> yes, that was fab. And let's let's end on that note. Um, to anybody who's a gaslighter, to anybody who's being gaslighted and manipulated, um, we're here for you and you know you don't deserve that it's a form of abuse and we will not accept it from our president we will not accept it from members of our community and we will lead with education and we will be stigmatized at all costs so thank you michael for being here thank you for everyone who tuned in and um shout out to the lgbtqi community we support you we're here for you and um you know stay strong in, in this climate, we feel for all that you're going through, and we want to support and spread awareness. So thank you. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.